I'll begin reading there in just a moment. Uh, and as you're turning to those two places, I want to ask you to, to think about something for a minute. Um, has there ever been a time, and, and probably on a, uh, an overcast Sunday afternoon, we might can understand this, has there ever been a time that you fought against a recliner and the recliner won? You know, you just, you sat down and uh, you, you had good plans to get up and all of a sudden you just, you, you lost the battle. Sometimes in the morning, has anybody here ever set an alarm clock in the bed one? Uh, it's just the alarm clock and the bed fight each other and uh, all of a sudden the, 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 the alarm clock lost and the bed won. You, you laid there just a little bit longer than you should. And I say that because we, we fight these battles and, you know, sometimes we sit down and we eat, we eat more than we should, or sometimes we go beyond what we should do, but we just kind of surrender and we lose those battles. We're going to see in just a moment in John chapter 5 that we're going to talk about one that once was in the bed to being able to say not just the bed controlled the person or was con holding the person, but the person was holding the bed. Folks, either you can give in to sin or you can fight against sin. You can either let the bed get a hold of you or you can get a hold of the bed. Which one do you want? Now, I can tell you the easy one to do. The easy one to do is let the bed win. Just say, you know what, this feels good. Why does every person want to stay in the bed sometimes when they're tired or they don't feel good? It's just comfortable. I don't know if this is an accurate statement or a fair statement, I should say, but I'll do know this. Sin has its ways sometimes of being comfortable. It's just an easy thing to do. Instead of getting up and fighting against and going out of here and fighting the battles, let's just stay right here and enjoy this moment. But the real world is, folks, we have to rise from our sleep. We have to face the day. We gotta, I got to get up and go to work. That's just, that's just what happens. The day awaits us. You've got a list of things you need to do or should do or maybe you've been told to do, but there's things that you must face. And in this particular reading this morning, there's about one that was in the bed but because of Christ, they not only had to, they didn't have to lay in the bed no more, they would take the bed with them to show the world they were victorious. Folks, if there is one group of people that is roaming this earth that can sing the song of victory, it is the children of God. We should roll up our beds and roll out into the world today and tell them that we are victorious, not because of who we are, but because of Jesus. Folks, today, I'm thankful that we can be victorious. I'm afraid there's a lot of people that are in the bed and they're in the state they're in and the situation they're in and they, they, they surrender saying, I can't get out of this bed. And you know what? I will surrender this for you. You cannot get out of the bed yourselves, but that's where you need Christ. He will give you strength that you cannot find yourselves. He will provide the things that you do not have. God gives us these things. And in John chapter 5, we're going to read about uh, at the pool of Bethesda. There was a man that was lame on his feet. The circumstances by which he was in was not one that you and I would want to be in. But yet he could not get out of. Let's begin reading if we can and... The very first verse, John chapter 5 and verse 1. After this, and we'll talk about it in just a moment, but this is preceding the events, or uh, right before this, we can see in John chapter 4 that Jesus had done some work there, and His Spirit had ascended, and the noblemen's sons had been healed. 
And after this, there was a feast of the Jews. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, in the ministry of Jesus, if you ever want to get a map out and look, I believe that every place that you mark on the map, every location that Christ visited, I believe there was a purpose behind his visit. Sometimes we, we may not wonder why we're here or what we're doing here, but there was a purpose behind every visit that Jesus had in this life. I believe that he visited the palaces, but I believe he visited the hospitals. Aren't you glad today that Christ not only seeks after those uh, that, that are healed and that, that need guidance in their life, but he also seeks out those that are sick? This morning I have no clue what, what condition you're in today. All I know is this, is that if you want to be an overcomer and a conqueror and get out of that bed, you have one visiting you this morning that can help you in the situation you're in. And folks, we need help. The very first place we can get to is understanding that we need help. Notice what happens in the very first verse. After this, there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there was a feast that was happening. Now you and I, if we were to be told that there was a feast, we might say it. Let's just put this in some good southern terms. I bet there's some good eating going on there. I bet there's some good eating. Folks, this was not just a time of a meal. It was a time of a feast. So you and I might be able to say, well, no wonder Jesus wanted to go to this place. There was some good eating there, folks. Jesus did not attend this place because of the feast. He attended a place because there was one that had a need in their life. You and I today, and I don't mean this in a bad way, sometimes we might go to church because we've heard there's something good to eat or there's something fun that's going to happen. But you know what today? The greatest need that we have in our life, Jesus is not here because of anything else other than you have a need, I have a need, and He can supply those needs. Aren't you glad that His reason for coming is not selfish like it is for Him, but it is for us so that we might be made whole, that we might be made complete? After this time, there was a feast of the Jews. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, when you start reading about Jerusalem and Judea, the very ministry of Christ was not very well received. So here, let's go back to this again. If there was a feast, you would think Christ was going to go there because there's some good eating going on. Or maybe there's a lot of fun. There's a lot of celebrating that's going to happen. But you might even think that he's going to a place that he's going to be well received. And that's not even true also. For even we see that if he was going up into Jerusalem, Christ was not going to be always well received of the message by which he was going to proclaim. So we see here that Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Probably in one of the most unexpected places that this one that was in need that we're going to read about in a minute that, was, that had a desire to get into the pool and be made whole uh, it probably one of the most least expected places they're going to find Jesus. You know what? I believe that it's good to find Jesus in church. I believe there are people that find Jesus in church. But you know what else I believe? There's a lot of other places you can find Jesus in your life too. Preacher, I'm not sure I got saved. I was, I was in a bathroom or I was under my kitchen table or I was out in the, in, in the watermelon patch. Or I, you know what? Folks, Jesus is not limited to just the places you would expect. I believe that He'll reach you anywhere that you may be. There may be some that could be in the most horrific places that you and I could even imagine in this life. I believe that Christ can reach their soul there too. 
No matter how bad or no matter how wrong or no matter how polluted something may seem, I'm thankful today that Jesus can visit there. For it says that Jesus went to a place, it said, He went up to Jerusalem. Let's keep reading here. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool. In the name of that pool, it says, Bethesda having five porches. But notice the verbiage there. By the sheep market. By the sheep market, there was a gate. There was access. Jesus tells us in John chapter 10 that he is the door. I believe that Jesus is the door. I believe Jesus is the gate. I believe Jesus is the key for you being able to overcome the bed that has gotten you. If you're going to overcome sin, then we've got to... Remember, this is one that was lame. This was one that, that, that could not move. This was one that, 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 that had no strength about him. But all of a sudden this encounter with Jesus comes to a place of Bethesda. And it says, Bethesda having five porches. Now Bethesda, if you ever want to read it, the name itself means house of mercy. Bethesda says all of a sudden that there's a house of mercy or pity that, that Christ is going to have upon. Remember mercy. We've talked about mercy and grace a lot over the last, I don't know, several months or years or so. That, that, that there's a difference in grace and mercy. That, that there's a time that you might look at mercy and say, or a disease of someone and say, you're getting what you deserve. Mercy means to remove that. And all of a sudden we see that at this now there at Jerusalem by the sheep market, a pool, uh, it's talking about Bethesda, having five porches. There was a lot of people in life. There was a lot of people on this particular scene. A variety of people, a variety of sicknesses, a variety of needs in their life. And Jesus, I believe, has the ability to take care of every single one of them. You know what? I believe that there's a variety of us here today. There's a variety of people that may hear this message at some point, at some time or another. I don't know when they'll hear it, but I believe that God's providential hand will show them that they may be at that place in their life when Jesus is passing by, He's visiting them, He's trying to tell them, don't you let the bed get you, you get a hold of the bed. You don't just give in to sin, you become victorious over sin. And that happens because of Jesus. And we see here that there was a, a, a beginning in the third verse, and it says, There lay a great multitude of impotent folk of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of water. Could you imagine being around a group of people that was waiting on the moving of the water? Now, we may talk about this a little bit more, but why was everyone not healed? We see there's a difference going to be in just a moment. There's a difference in people thinking it's the, the, the setting or it's the physical things that's going to save them. Folks, there are people today that may tell you that it's the setting or it's the physical things that you can do that's going to find you favor with, with Christ. That's absolutely not true. You find favor with Christ by believing in Him, not any deed that you can do. And this one that was going to be uh, in, in need in just a minute, all of a sudden, <coughs> that there was a need that was there. They saw that there was power that was going to uh, be in the pool here. Let's keep reading. It says, uh, for waiting for the moving of the water. 
For an angel went down at a certain season. Again, so there's an angel, there's a moving. Do you believe today in God sent people, God sent circumstances that stir your soul? I can remember many times growing up in church that, that, that God began moving amongst not just the preachers but the people in the congregation. And when God began to move in their hearts and God began to move in the, in the, in the very service of people, it began to cause something inside of me to be stirred. There was a stirring inside of me. Now let's don't mix up emotions with spirituality, but there is such thing as a spiritual moving of God's presence in amongst us. And all of a sudden we see here, for an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. So this, this, this there's that again, the ultimate power is going to be in Christ and what he is able to do. But even beyond that is the one's faith in Christ and what he is able to do. So the healing power says, whosoever then First, after the troubling of the water stepped in, was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. Well, they got close. Let's just play horseshoes for just a minute. They got close. You know, there's a lot of people that get close to getting saved. But to be almost saved is, is the same thing as being completely lost. What do I mean to be almost saved? You're at church. Maybe you're hearing a message. Maybe God's working in your heart and there's conviction and there's drawing this air. You folks, without that conviction, you cannot be saved. And if God is convicting you, you're almost saved, but you're still completely lost. But to be almost saved, there's that drawing that is there. There were those that were near, but the problem was is that they, they, they put their... their power or the authority in the moving of the water and the scripture teach us that it says whosoever then first after the trouble of the water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had so there was a problem they felt like there was a limited problem because only the first one in was going to be able to be made whole so let's read just a little bit more in verse 5 by the way, it says, and who was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. Again, we're talking about the variety. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity 38 years. A lot of faith healers in the world today, they're going to take care of the minor problems in people's lives. You know what? We all have some minor bumps and bruises along the way. And there are people that will help us along the way uh, somewhat to help us to try to overcome those things. Folks, we're talking about one that is a spiritual healer of what the, the needs are in our life. We're talking about one that was in need. We're talking about one that, that was in such, such a trouble. For it says that the, the problem was there was a troubling of the water to one of being able to step in and made whole of whatsoever disease he had. So one of the most complicated cases that a person could imagine, they, wasn't, they was able to get close, but they couldn't overcome. And it says, And a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. The word infirmity simply means without strength. Now I want you to stop for just a moment. Let's slow down and ask yourself, what is it like to be in a condition without strength. I didn't say you were weak. You are without strength. 
I hope you start understanding the idea that there is nothing that we can do. We have a complete dependency upon God to provide us what we need in order to have eternal life. Folks, there is nothing that we can do because we are without strength. We need Jesus, not 20%, not 50% or 90%, completely. We need what God has provided for us. <coughs> Excuse me, he said he had an infirmity. In other words, without strength for 38 years. I don't believe that he I don't believe that he'd been at the well for or at this particular pool of Bethesda for 38 years. It's a simple fact of he had had a long time of, of, of sinfulness, a long time of disease, a long time of hurt that was going on in his life, and he needed to be cleansed and healed of that particular need in his life. So I want you to think about something for just a minute. 30 and 8 years. 30 and 8 years. This is what's going on. Let's keep reading here uh, for just a minute. He says, In an infirmity 30 and 8 years, and when Jesus saw him lie, Jesus knew exactly where he was, Jesus knew exactly how long he had been there and the condition he was in. He knew everything about him. May we understand today that Jesus knows everything about us. And notice what he says. And he knew that he had been now a long time in that case. In other words, he knew he had been in the condition he was in for a long time. Have you ever tried to hide something? And what I mean is, maybe you try to, to hide a sore ankle so you try not to limp. Or maybe your back hurts and you try to, to hide these things. Spiritually speaking today, you may try all you want to to hide the condition you're in. And you may be successful, you may not. I've seen people sit in church and they just cry. I've seen people in church that God moves on them and they'll just walk out the back of the church house. I've seen God work on people that, that, that they'll get something to distract them. They'll do all of these things. And you know what? Sometimes it's evident. Sometimes it's not. But there's one thing that we can know today. God knows your condition. God knows your condition. You're not hiding it from God. If you've got a need in your life, He sees these things. For notice what He says. When Jesus saw Him lie and knew that He had been now a long time in that case. In other words, the, the, the need that was going on there. He said he knew that he had been a long time in that case. Is there anybody here that's ever got to a point in their life or a place in your life where you thought, does God even know what's going on? God, do you not know that I'm hurting at night when I lay down in my bed? God, do you not know that when I go to church, there's just something missing in my life? God, do you not know that I have a sickness and that I'm close to it, but I just can't get over and, and, and get into the place that I need? Do you not know that, folks? God knows. But the question is, have we acknowledged and admitted that? Do we acknowledge and admit the fact that we have a need? He knew that it had been now a long time in that case. Why did others not get healed? That might be a bad question. Maybe the better question would be, why did God want to heal any of those at the pool? Did they deserve it? You know, we look at people today and think, well, why are people lost today? Let's, let's go ahead and let's ask the question a little bit differently. Why are people saved today? 
Two different questions. Why are people lost? I think we can probably all answer that. But for those of you that are saved, I want to ask you, why are you saved? What happened to you? What did you do to deserve that or earn that? If you've been genuinely saved, you just want to crawl under your pew because our answer is we do not deserve it. We talked about some of the things in Sunday school is that we have shortcomings. We have our, our faults and our failures about us, but yet God still loves us. Absolutely. When we had a need in our life, we couldn't get into the pool when the water was troubled. We had need of someone. The band got a hold of us. All of a sudden, God said, I'll give you away. When you were called and you surrendered and, and God said, I'm going to give you what you stand in need of. I love the, the, the very question that, that, that is asked there in the sixth verse. He says, and he saw how long he had been in that case. And he saith unto them, wilt thou be made whole? That sounds kind of like a foolish question. Do you want to be made whole? You see, the word whole just means there's incompleteness in your life. You see, there's people that are lost today. Their life is incomplete. And I think we can probably just let our minds roam for just a minute. But let's think about if there's something missing in our life, what do we try to fill it with? What do we fill it with? To some, maybe it's money. To some, maybe it's drugs or alcohol. To some, maybe it's, I don't know, and, and, and we're, we're, we could, I'm not talking about things that are just illegal or harmful to the body. Uh, things that are gamblings. and okay. We fill our lives with so many things. That, folks, the soul is meant for God to occupy and to be a part of. Today, I don't know what you try to fill with, whether it's your work or you try to stay busy or you try to stay active or you go out here and we do these. We have all these extracurricular things. But you see today, folks, you can try anything that you want. Nothing can replace the need for the Spirit of God in your life. Nothing can. Nothing is going to be able to supply that. So the question says, will thou be made whole? Lots of Bad habits, I guess you would say, we form. But Jesus asks the question there. He says, Wilt thou be made whole? Look what he says in the seventh verse. And the man said, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. There were some circumstances that this man could not help. He said, I want it. He said, but I can't help the situation I'm in. You know, not a single, single one of us asked to be lost. It's, just, it's, not, it's not something we asked for. It's just something that happened. Sin and all these things happen. But notice what Christ begins to tell them. He says, he answers him and he, and he says, But while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Here's what I like. You got a problem, find a problem solver. If you've got a problem, find a problem solver. If you don't have gas in your car, don't go to the cardiologist. Go to the gas station. You go to the problem, one that can adequately and intentfully solve your problem. If you've got a bed that's gotten a hold of you, you need the great physician. If you've got one today that, that you feel like you've been conquered and you want to be the conqueror, then you come to the one that conquered sin, folks. And I believe that when Jesus rose from the grave, He conquered sin. 
Sin did not reign over him. Sin did not conquer him and become victorious. Jesus is victorious over death, hell, and the grave. If you want to overcome that sickness, then you need to talk to the one that can do that. And then notice what happened here that he says that, that, that Jesus began to offer the answer. And notice what he said there beginning in that um, eighth verse. He said, rise and take up thy bed and walk. You know, the, the, the healing wasn't in the pool, was it? You notice what happened? He said, you don't have to get in the pool. He said, you got to believe and listen to me. Isn't it amazing how that we put all of our eggs in a basket of, I've got to get in the pool, I've got to get in the pool, I've got to get in the pool. All of a sudden, Jesus said, you need to rise and take up your bed and walk. Wait a minute, I didn't get into the water first. He said, you got to believe me. He said, you got to rise and take up your bed and walk. You may be here today and the bed's got a hold of you. You may be here this morning and you may be hearing these very words today and the bed has just gotten a hold of you. That's happened to me some mornings. I can, I can honestly say there's some mornings that I'm just tired and the bed will get a hold of me. But you know what? If I'm ever going to be victorious, I have to tell myself I'm going to overcome. We're going to get out of that bed and we are going to be overcomers. And he tells me, he says, rise and take up thy bed and walk. He didn't say that you're going to leave it behind. He said, you're just going to take it. He said, you're going to roll it up. He said, you're going to put it under your arm. And you're going to go out and show the world that you are not conquered by the bed. That you have conquered the bed. The bed's not conquered you. Aren't you glad today that, that when we arise from the dead sinful state we're in, that we can, much as Jesus said, He said, take off those grave clothes. He said, you're not dead any longer. You are alive. Folks, too many Christians are walking around the world today with grave clothes on. Too many Christians are walking around the world today and, and we, we want to lay in the bed instead of showing the world we are overcomers. Folks, we have victory and that victory is in Jesus. Do you have that bed rolled up ready to go out in the world and show them? For Jesus said, rise, take up thy bed and walk. You know what I believe happens when you begin to have faith in Christ and He enters into your life? All of a sudden you're going to experience things you had never experienced before. You're going to rise. Never had happened in 38 years. I don't know how, how, how old he was. I'm assuming all his life. But for 38 years, he said, now he began to arise. And he said, he would begin to say, take up thy bed and walk. What a testimony for something that had gotten a hold of him for so long. Now he had gotten a hold of him. You, you know what? I, I kind of want to put this a little bit different. Folks, there's some people that get their life together. And you know, it's not because that they just decided one day and, and to do better. They get their life together because Christ entered into it. And I'm a testament to that even myself. I can remember there was a day in my life it just seemed like everything was falling apart. God saved my soul. And you know what happened? I got my life together. All of a sudden I cared again. And I'll say again, I started caring about things. I wanted to prosper. I wanted to, to, to be a shining light. I wanted to get up out of my bed. And I want to say Jesus said that to, to roll it up... He said, I want you to take up your bed and walk. And I love that ninth verse. You see, Jesus is not going to just work in degrees or in, in, in small little sections. It said, all of a sudden, immediately, the man was made whole. And he took up his bed and he walked. Uh, you see, this man uh, was told by the, by the pool there, by the wayside there of the pool, he said, you need to rise and take up your bed and walk. In other words, no longer had the bed taken a toll on him. He was going to take a toll on the bed and he was going to get up, uh, arise and take up his bed and walk. And it says immediately the man was made whole and he took up his bed and walked. Christ did everything 
or told him everything he needed to do. And when he became completely submissive, I believe that God was able to transform his life. Folks, when you begin to have faith in Jesus Christ, you, you, you listen to him and you do what he's prompting you and telling you to do, things are going to change in your life. And all of a sudden, uh, you, you're going to realize is that what used to get a hold of you, now you're going to get a hold of it. You know what, today, may, me as God's people... May we not wake up in the morning and just say, well, let's just give in to sin. Let's just give in to wrong. Let's just give in to evil. May we arise from the very sleep that we're in. May we roll these beds up and say, you may get me a little while, but you're not going to permanently get a hold of me. May we roll those beds up. May we put them under our arms every day and march out in the world and say, we are victorious. And why? Not because we found the pool. We're victorious because we found Jesus. Folks, today, you're not saved because you've been in the water. You're not saved today because you found a church church. You're not saved today because of you, you, you found the right clothes to the right Sunday school literature or the Bible version. And, but today you're saved today because of Jesus. And that's who you need in your life is Jesus. You know the church, we can lay aside all these other things that, that, that we have ideas and theories about. But there's one thing we all know. We have a need of Jesus today. Uh, God bless you this morning. I've said what I need to say. Do you feel like the Lord's working on you this morning? Do you feel like uh, that, that, that maybe something's just incomplete? That the water just keeps getting trouble and you feel like I just can't, I can't get in the pool. I can't get in the pool. I can't get in the pool. Jesus said you just need to rise, take up your bed and you need to walk. This morning I want us to get a song if we could.